Nation. Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Average Critics, joined today by Obi. How are you doing, Obes? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, good. Just a two-man sesh today because mm-hmm. Chris is the busiest person during lockdown. But, mm-hmm. uh, props to him. <laughs> Don't know what he's arranging <laughs> to do, but good on him. Um, so you've recommended a few things for us to watch this week, uh, which we will get on to, um, including lovely jingle jangle but what a film mm, yeah yeah we'll get on to that but um first of all there's been a lot of kind of film related news um wanted to first off touch on the news that hbo max is going to be streaming a lot of warner brothers 2021 slate including june uh, Godzilla vs Kong and The Matrix Four, um, and I think The Suicide Squad among Suicide others. Squad. Yep, Wonder Woman. Yes, yeah. So that's is that that's just in America, right? Yeah, as far as I know. Okay, because I mean, Wonder Woman's coming out in cinemas next week in the UK, yeah. um, but it sort of caused a fair amount of controversy um, among some of the filmmakers. Um, I know. Um, his face had a barn here, didn't he? Um, Tenet Geezer, what's his name? Chris Nolan. That's the one. Yeah, he wasn't too happy. Um, James Gunn is apparently, apparently not very happy. Um, surprised, in fairness, but continue, sorry. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's obviously a lot of this is coming from the industry press, so we don't know kind of how much it's accurate, but, you know, there's reports that um, Gal Gadot was given a, a payment as like a compensation for... Uh, yeah for Wonder Woman not being released um, fully in cinemas um, and then other kind of stars have been like well what about me you know um, mm. James Gunn I think was a bit pissed off so what do you do you see the logic in it or you know what sort of side do you lie on uh, do I see the logic uh, yes because I think I think um, well a lot of the things that I've been hearing and listening to over the past few months is like the kind of theme of is cinema dead that sort of thing um and i feel like maybe um warner brothers are kind of like what's it uh trying to push the trend before it becomes a thing trying to maybe trying to like lead the market sort of thing um obviously they've got their, their hbo max which i think is pretty popular um Maybe not in terms of viewership, but in terms of like the content that's actually on there, I think it's quite popular with the people who uh, have got it. And I suppose them doing this now also produces like a um, uh, is it, would it be a niche in the market? I would say um, bringing out films that should be that should be in cinemas um, exclusively on their platform. So that's obviously going to introduce um, loads of viewers. I would think anyway, because you think like if I sign up for this, I'm going to get to watch. Wonder Woman, Suicide Squad, uh, Godzilla, Matrix, blah blah blah, June, whatever, whatever. So like, there's a lot of content potentially to be to be watched. Um, mm. So in terms of like them gaining popularity and viewership on their streaming service, I get it. And trying to move with the trend in terms of like um, cinemas maybe becoming not obsolete, but definitely becoming less popular. I get it. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I can't help but thinking that 
obviously we don't know how long this current thing's going to last. We were talking about vaccines and stuff. So maybe, you know, maybe we'll be coming out of it next year. But I can't help but think they're losing a lot of money potentially. Like I read a thing that said, um, oh yeah, they're set to lose out on 1.2 billion. And I was thinking it, it's got to be way more. Like uh, Wonder Woman and Suicide Squad is probably near a billion alone. Like, yeah. And this, like Godzilla v Kong probably make a lot of money. June, I reckon probably would have made a lot of money. Like you got to be thinking like they're missing out on a lot potentially, I think anyway. But what do I know? Yeah. I mean, I've just like, there's an article in Screen Rant which says, the Directors Guild of America has written a critical letter to Warner Brothers demanding a meeting to discuss the plans to release all of its 2021 films on HBO Max the same day as in theatres. Mm. So, okay, they are going to release them in the cinemas, but they're also going to release them on HBO Max, which I guess might be sensible in the sense that, you know, a lot of their audience might not be able to go to the cinema, might not be comfortable with going to the cinema. Both worlds, really, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't, you know, America's obviously the most affected country in the world by COVID-19. Um, so maybe that's their thinking. But, you know, it, it is, like you said, it's, it's sort of pushing a dangerous precedent. Because if this goes really well, then Warner Brothers might be like, well, we've earned more from our HBO uh, subscriptions than we did from cinema sales. So maybe we won't do that anymore. Won't release them in cinemas. Um, and it has, you know, wider ramifications because I think it was Legendary Pictures put up seventy-five percent of the budget for Godzilla vs Kong. Um, so I mean, I don't know how all their financing works in terms of getting paid back, but you know, if they're not consulted about putting it on HBO Max, you know, the people that put the money up are going to be like, "What the fuck, mate?" You know, mm. I was expecting a huge opening weekend or whatever. Um, and also, also there's a case of like you know I think it's uh, certain actors get like they negotiate in a contract where they get like a percentage of the revenue kind of thing so yeah be a big them well, well. Exactly, exactly because if you you know I guess it's like Netflix you know if they don't release their streaming figures or you know how do you attribute a monthly subscription service to one particular film's box office you know mm. if you're if you if HBO Max was available in the UK, which it isn't at the moment, but you were like, right, really want to watch June and it's not going to be in the cinema or I'm not going to go because I'm not comfortable. And then you pay your £14 subscription for June. You know, they are not going to go, oh, Obi's just picked this service to watch June, so I'll attribute yeah. all his money to that film. No, it will be, you know, £1 for Godzilla versus Kong, one pound, you know, however they manage it. So like you're saying, if there's actors who get back ends off the profits you know they could probably be losing out which is maybe why warner brothers paid gal gadot 10 million but it sounds like that's not been kind of widespread across the board you've got people like timothee Charlemagne and keanu reeves you know who may be thinking well why are you picking her <laughs> over the, us? Thing, yeah. yeah how do you yeah. how do you feel about it personally like regardless um, of outside I don't really like it in a sense. I mean, it's weird because, you know, I quite like Netflix, but I think, you know, I'm a purist at heart, I guess. And the cinema, there's something about it. We've discussed it loads of times, you know, 
I don't ever get my phone out in the cinema. I'm not sitting there on Twitter whilst watching something. You know, it, to me, I go into that space and it's it's like a different mentality. It's like, right, I'm just going to sit here for two, three hours, immerse myself in the darkness, which you can't quite recreate at home. You know, the the kind of Dolby sound or whatever sort of sound, you know, speaker system they might have. And just the size of the screen, you know, there's all of those things which filmmakers will take into account when they are making the film. Um, so, again, if you're just going to be putting it on HBO Max where you won't get the surround sound unless you've got your own home system, um, you know, that will might influence how they make films in the future. Yeah. So to me, I would still go to the cinema. But if we're getting to a situation where they're going to be released on streaming services at the same time, then that might push cinema prices up, which yeah. would potentially put me off. <laughs> you know, this thing I'm thinking of, like when you talk about cinema prices, I'm just wondering if cinemas, like so, for example, Cineworld um, isn't open right now in the UK um, and won't be open till next year, like, and that's with the current climate we're in obviously with some films being delayed and whatnot, whatnot. Like, I can't think that this, these films being on streaming is going to be... Imagine, like, imagine if these films come out, um, if HBO Max comes out to UK or internationally rather than just US. Like, I think, I feel like the majority of people are not like me and you in terms of that we like, like, purists. We like, I love going to the cinema, you love going to the cinema. I think most people enjoy watching from the comfort of their own home. Yeah. Um, so, like, but for for chains like them, um, I don't know who owns actually owns Cineworld. I'm not sure, um, but like I think it's pretty disastrous news for them. Like, and I wonder, yeah. like, what is actually going to happen? And even like taking away, obviously, wanting to go to the cinema, like people's jobs and stuff. Like, mm. that's hun- probably hundreds of thousands, maybe not hundreds of thousands, but thousands of jobs that have you know that can potentially be gone. Yeah. And it's it's not just the big blockbusters, it's the kind of the medium ones, mm. you know, like your, uh, I don't know, the, um, I don't know, like your Bill and Ted's that came yeah. out, you know, that's probably too, cost too much money for them to just dump on a streaming service. Yeah. They know that they're only going to get a certain share of the audience, so, but they sort of, those things rely on cinema and yeah, it's it's a shame because I mean my local cinema reopens tomorrow, which will be Friday the eleventh of December, whenever we get to post this. So it could be yesterday or whenever. <laughs> but they're not. There's no actual new films coming out until Wonder Woman, which is next Wednesday. So currently, all they're showing are things like Elf and yeah. yeah, and you know, to be honest okay, I could go and see them, but I've seen them before and it's, you know, to me it's like, well, I could, I would be comfortable watching Elf on DVD at home. You know, I'm not going to, it's not like, oh, I need to see that in the cinema. Yeah. Um, so again, you know, they're they're sort of just filling the screens with whatever they can at the moment. Um, it's, it is a tough one because, you know, there will be a lot of people It's like, just want to watch it from the comfort of their own home, don't yeah. really care about you know, production values. I mean, you think for the future of cinema, how can you justify spending $250 million 
on a film when you're not necessarily going to make billions back. Mm. True. True. And to be fair, though, this might, I think, I don't know if it was you who said this, but it might have been someone else. But um, I, might be, I might be not giving you your credit here. I'm not sure. But do you think there's a possibility that if budgets um, reduce, then that kind of might lead into a... So, like, is, so my simplified way of saying it would be, okay, we can't spend X amount on CGI and really cool effects, so we need to focus a lot on the story. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, maybe. Or you just have to pay actors less. Because I think, you know, actors' salaries can take up some of the biggest parts of of a budget. Um, you know, you think like Robert Downey Jr. is being paid, like, what, 50 million per per Marvel film? Um, Seriously? I feel like it was something like that. I mean, ridiculous amounts. Um, you know, so some people do get decent, uh, decent pay packets out of it. Um, I mean, you know, apparently these films are only going to be available for one month on yeah. HBO Max. But, I mean, you know, that's sort of like a cinematic window. Mm. Y- you know, your bigger films will be out for a couple of months, but it's not as if, it, you know, it's not as if that one month is, is going to force people into the cinemas after that. Um, and also, mm. they're not actually charging extra for it, which is... That, that's a key, very key point, yeah. I thought that maybe they were going to be charging money for it, like Disney tried to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the fact that Disney tried to swindle us but the fact that HBO have said oh yeah it's, it's free I think is a really massive point mm. yeah it's, it's I don't know it's a strange one um, mm. I think it's there's a bravery in it but also you know they might be kind of jeopardising their relationship with certain directors yeah. because you know someone like Chris Nolan is going to be pissed off um, I know Tenet. He's only pissed off because this film did shit. <laughs> yeah, which is sort of I think one of the reasons why Warner Brothers was sort of saying, "Well, this is why we're putting them on HBO Max because yeah. you know Tenet didn't make that much money." But that isn't Christopher Nolan's fault. Yeah. You know, he even said it was Warner Brothers' decision to release it in the cinemas at the time they did. So, yeah. you know, that's a calculated risk. I don't know. I think I just hope that you know it doesn't become the norm um, because, you know, I, you know, the, the more they do this, more cinemas will close. You'll have to travel further to actually watch a film. You know, we've even talked about how if you want anywhere where, you know, you live, if you want to see a film by someone who isn't white, you've got to travel quite far. And, you know, you sort of have to think, well, is it really worth the, hour and a half round trip to Wimbledon or Croydon yeah. to go and watch Brotherhood, you know. <laughs> yeah, but, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I just don't want to get to a point. I, I doubt it will do this because obviously like Disney is king. They're not going to, they wouldn't They wouldn't <laughs> do this. I'm almost certain. But I don't want to get to a point where, I, where I'm watching an Avengers film at home. I like, allow it. Allow <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe if... if Again, I'm just sort of speculating here, but it might force, if the cinema chains are like threatened with closure, then you might get the whole kind of vertical integration again, which happened in like the early part of Hollywood where the studio owned everything. You know, they owned, they had actors on on like, you know, rosters. They had, they owned the cinemas. 
they owned the distribution and the production company. Um, that was forced to break up for like competition kind of purposes. But you know, if if Cineworld are like, fuck it, we can't afford this, Disney swoop in, be like, right, we will just buy you and we'll just exclusively show Disney productions. Yeah, you could get to a point like that, um, sure. which is essentially is their streaming service, but in real, you know, in the cinematic version, you will get directors, purist directors, particularly like. Christopher Nolan, who still likes to film on film rather than digital and, you know, practical effects where you can. Mm. He, he's, you know, he's, he's been a, a critic of Netflix in the past. So, you know, he will kind of do what he can to, um, you know, make sure that cinema is alive and so will Tarantino. So I think there will be still a market for the cinema. It's just whether it's as widespread as it is now, yeah. you know. But yeah, it's an interesting one. Hopefully it's just a 2021 thing because, you know, because of the pandemic. But yeah, I, hope so. um, I think that's the, that's the thing. Like, And I'm hoping that, obviously not to sound selfish, but I'm hoping that this doesn't affect us in the UK. Obviously it's an American thing. So I'm hoping that these films still come out in the cinema over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, that's your quick question I, then, sorry. Yeah, go for it. So, um, I've got, got the list up of the films that are going on. HBO Max, right? Mm-hmm. So HBO Max is $16 a month, right? Which is pretty expensive. Um, so if I say, oh, yeah, it's £15 a month, right? And you get the, the you would get the following films, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so The Little Things, my heard of it. It's got Denzel in it, though. Um, okay. Judas and the Black Messiah, which actually looks pretty good. Tom and Jerry, The Many Saints of Newark. <laughs> Uh, Reminiscence, Godzilla vs. Kong, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, In the Heights, Face Jam, A New Legacy, The Suicide Squad, June, uh, King Richard, The Matrix 4, Mortal Kombat, Malignant, Those Who Wish Me Dead, uh, and that's Owen, oh, a film called Cry Macho, and one, we'll throw Wonder Woman on top of that, plus over whatever, you know. Um, limited series they come out with. I think they the undoing. I'm pretty sure that's HBO Max original. But anyway, um, if they did, if they had all that in the package and they said yes, fifteen pounds plus obviously all the other stuff that they got, all the Warner Brothers stuff they've got, would you be interested in that? Um, it would depend on when these films are being released. Okay. I imagine they're not going to put them all on at the same time. No. Okay. So um, let's say. So let me say, let me, let me, yeah, it's true actually. Let me, re- let me rephrase it. So I mean, of, say, of those films, yeah. I mean, I've not really heard of many of them. I don't know what many of them are about, but the ones that I do know of, I would want to watch The Suicide Squad and I'd want to watch Dune. I've not seen the Godzilla's, I, I did see Kong Skull Island, so maybe I'd watch Godzilla versus Kong. But, you know, there's maybe like a handful of those films that I would, you know, go to the cinema to see. So yeah. if they were, if a couple of them were at the same time, then I would pay for that month, you know, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess in a way, you know, you, you know, you used to pay 18 quid a month for Odeon Limitless, but then you would get, you know, not just Warner Brothers films. So yeah, yeah it does seem a bit pricey, um, especially when you think about, you know, net. You know, the content you can get on Netflix yeah. um, 
for even Disney. Disney is what six pound or something. Yeah, but then you know you only are getting half of Disney's catalogue because anything up above a twelve A is not on there. So, um, but yeah, um, I, I probably wouldn't commit to a whole year. I've been burned yeah. by Disney Plus. <laughs> so, <laughs> would you though? Would you sort of? Um, would I? I think I would only if I had. Um, no, in short, no, I wouldn't because. Like you know, like I love going to cinema, so I would just go to the cinema. But if cinema wasn't an option, um, I would probably, I definitely think about it only because um, uh, I've heard a lot of uh, good things about the HBO uh, service in general in terms of like not not just new stuff, but like legacy stuff that they've got on there as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, I definitely think about it. But like you say, fifteen pound a month is a lot. Double Netflix, like um, I don't know. I'd have to think about it. Considering how, considering like I, we spend money on uh, Disney, Netflix, Amazon Prime, just those three is how much twenty seven pound a month. Yes, and if you and if you use to add HBO onto that, that would be for basically forty pound a month. And then you're talking about you, I might as well just get fucking Sky or something. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I might as well, it's the same as like streaming is supposed to be an alternative to like cable TV or whatever they call it now. Um, but it's not really an alternative. It's, it's the same fucking price. yeah (laughs) yeah especially when they get too much i mean um one kind of slightly related they were i saw that warner brothers were thinking about changing the name of hbo max to warner max Mm. which to me makes more sense yeah definitely because warner is the you know the overarching brand hbo is just a channel so (laughs) by having wonder woman release on hbo max it's sort of like um avengers endgame releasing on you know, Britbox. Yeah. You like. I think the only thing, the only thing about it is that I think HBO, the name HBO, comes with a certain amount of clout. Obviously, because of the programs that have come out on there before, Game of Thrones, The Wire, Sopranos, etc. So I think that's probably the main reason why they would, why they called it that in the first place, rather than just calling it Warner Brothers, like you said. Yeah, but then you're sullying the name of it by releasing Tom and Jerry. True. You know, <laughs> it's imagine it's like that film looks H- awful. By the way, I'm sorry. Can we just quickly, it looks absolutely. I don't even like. <laughs> I never really liked Tom and Jerry. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm all right with you know, uh, bringing out kids' films nowadays. Like I watched Sonic, and I first thought it was all right. Pikachu was okay. It wasn't really my taste, but it was okay. But that Tom and Jerry film looks absolutely fucking shit. Something yeah, like that. I know. I don't know why they needed to make it. I don't know why Chloe Grace Moretz felt the need to star in it, but. She needs hey, money. Hey. She must need money. <laughs> she must need money. <laughs> honestly, sometimes I think about actors. Like, I think like you must have needed this check badly to do yeah. this film. Like fuck now. Uh, who's so, advising you? <laughs> Your agent uh, must have got fucking Jesus Christ. Like Jorge Mendes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout out to Sunday League pedigree. Um, um, so I guess other film news. Uh, is the complete myriad of casting rumours that are flying about for um, mm. Spider-Man 3, which would be the Sony one, I think, due to release probably 2022 now. I, think um, so. I, I presume they haven't started filming, so it's going to be a while. Um, I had their but, first table the other day, I read. Okay. But, you know, I think there's already confirmed Doctor Strange... You've obviously got 
Tom Holland. Then there are rumours to be Alfred Molina as Doc Ock, Jamie Foxx as Electro, um, Michael Keaton as Vulture, um, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, Emma Stone as Gwen Stacy. Mm. I also saw um, Kirsten Dunst mm. as um, Mary Jane. So, you, you know, you're thinking um, Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio. You just say, oh, wow. You know, if, you know, if even half of these are true, yeah. you know, well, I'm not expecting them to all have huge arcs within this film, but I mean, to me, it excites me because it's sort of like, you know, depending on how they do it, it sounds really exciting, you know, potentially mm. a Sinister Six, potentially a Spider-Verse. Mm. Um, I'm 50-50 on it, to be fair. Why? What are your reservations? I was saying this to Joe the other day, yeah, and like, in my eyes, yeah, I don't know if you agree or disagree, we've gotten two Spider-Man films that, on the low, aren't really about Spider-Man. It's just about Spider-Man's emotional reaction to whatever the fuck Iron Man's doing, whatever the fuck's happened to Iron Man. And I feel like we're going to get a third film now that's not really about our Tom Holland, Peter Parker. It's going to be a film just to introduce the multiverse of Spider-Verse, which is cool on the base of it. But on the, I would, I would like to watch a film that's just about Peter Parker and how he grows as a person. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like they use, they use every, they're using all the Spider-Man films to further other people and other shit. Like, can we not just, is he not a strong enough actor or a strong enough character to do it that we can just focus on him? Yeah, I think that's a really valid point. Um, I mean, I think you retweeted something, didn't you, a while ago, which said something similar. And I rewatched Spider-Man Far From Home a couple of weeks ago, which, you know, when I first saw it, I was like, wow, that was amazing. You know, such good film. And I rewatched it and I still enjoyed it. But to me, the second, so the third act is the strongest part where mm. they're in London and basically Mysterio is, you know, basically everything from when you find out Mysterio is the kind of villain of the piece. Um, you know, like that scene where he's throwing all the images at Spider-Man and he's in that warehouse. That was sick. Um, the end, you know, the ending as well, the, the post credit scene where... Um, J. Jonah Jameson from the Daily Bugle was like, Spider-Man's Peter Parker. You know, yeah, that was, yeah. it was like, oh shit. And I think for me, that, that was what stuck in my mind. So I think the first half of it, when they're in Venice and the Czech Republic and other places, pretty poor. Um, mm. Like you say, there was basically, there's no development with Peter Parker. You, you do see, there's a scene where he's in the cave with Nick Fury and um, Mysterio. And he says something really kind of, you know, nerdy about science and wormholes and shit. And I was like, oh, this kid is actually smart. Rather than being a a wet blanket. Um, So I agree. Like you said, you know, the Tobey Maguire ones, he actually does develop and there's actual focus of him at school and like issues he has. Whereas Spider-Man Far From Home was every chance they got was a a reference either to Iron Man or to Thor or, you know, Mysterio going, I need to create an Avengers level threat. It's like, okay, can you just stand on your own two feet? You know? Um, yeah. I don't know. I it'll be in- it, it sounds cool. It sounds, like, don't get me wrong, it sounds really, really cool if they're doing all of this. But I just want, I'm not even a big Spider-Man fan like that, to be honest with you, but I would just like a film that is centred around him. And I feel like if you get 
Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire, you know, Tom, Dick and Harry to be in it, he will just kind of like get drowned out. And it's going to be one of those ones where like you watch it and on the surface you're like, oh, wow, this is really cool. But then you, if you said, I want to watch all three Spider-Men back to back, you wouldn't like it, I don't think, anyway. Like with other films, like Iron Man uh, and Captain America for two, two different examples. Obviously, they're like the two figureheads of the MCU. But you can see their characters develop as the three films go through and you can see what they go through and how they react to that. Um, even though you know the two art, the latter two Iron films aren't great, they still show how his character develops and the, the person he becomes um, at the back end of that. Same thing with um, Captain America. Peter Parker's we're two films in now. I know he's a child, basically. We're two films in now, and he's still kind of the same guy. Like I want something. I want him to you know to kind of grow up. You know, be a man. Yeah, I mean, someone I don't remember who, so apologies, but. They theorise that um, this kind of potential Spider-Verse film is is going to be a way of, you know, Spider-Man leaving the MCU. Oh, sure. Because I think this is the last film that they've got mm. as an agreement between Sony and Marvel. Um, and Jared Leto came out in an interview about Morbius and said, you know, Morbius is part of an expanding universe. Mm. Um so obviously Sony own all the rights to well most of the rights to Spider-Man related characters. So this person suggested that by the end of Spider-Man 3 he will be in a different reality where Sony could then have him in Venom 2 and Morbius 2 and whatever and that's a way of you know that getting would, that would be really funny. <laughs> Yeah, people would hit the roof. Do you remember people? How much people lost their shit when they said that Spider-Man wasn't going to be in the MCU anymore? Imagine if they actually <laughs> confirmed it at the end of this film. People would lose their minds. Oh my god! I kind of I wanted to do that. Now. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it's it's weird though because when you well when you think of I mean Far From Home particularly, every time Sony and Marvel have collaborated, it always feels much more Marvel heavy than it does Sony. You know, in what you aren't. So, Sony own the rights to Spider-Man and are essentially allowing Marvel to have them in his films. Through whatever financing deal they have, you know, back-end profit, I don't know. It's going to make a lot of money for Sony. Yeah, fine. But in these, you know, particularly Far From Home and the Avengers films he's been in, it's always been about other Marvel properties. Mm. So, if if I was Sony, I would be like, hang on, you're always banging on about Iron Man, you're always banging on about Thor, you know, Captain America. You own the rights to those, but it's still my logo on the beginning of the film. So if I was them, I'd be like, I want Tom Hardy in this film, or I want reference to Venom, or I want, you know, properties we own, so that the audience, when eventually this partnership ends, which it eventually will have, you know, (laughs) will at some point have to, whether Tom Holland is moves on or whatever by that point you have this whole spider-man arc where there is no sony (laughs) you know there's no relation to the other sony films they're releasing with regards to the spider universe yeah yeah to to me i'd be like we need to have you know properties we own in there so people want to see the next venom film i really hope the next venom film is good oh my god yeah Uh, (laughs) Oh, no, go on, sorry. 
I was going to say, sort of back to HBO, but um, Patty Jenkins, who's the director of Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman 1984, um, came out and said that she doesn't consider Joss Whedon's Justice League to be canon. <laughs> Fair enough. Like he's that, that guy, <laughs> he has taken a beating from people in the industry and outside the industry. Like People, people who stand uh, Zack Snyder have been fucking going after him. And then you get people who, like, his, technically, it's probably his colleagues and his peers, who are also saying, yeah, this film's dead. Like, we don't even recognise it as part of the fucking universe. Like, that is raw. Like, yeah. I don't give a shit. I, I quite enjoyed the film, but I don't, so I don't really care. But he is getting a fucking beating inside and out. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I find that quite funny that, you know, this big match-up event that was, you know, cost them $300 million. <laughs> They're now like, yeah, it's not really, didn't, right, didn't really count. That's HBO Max as well, isn't it? I completely um, forgot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so that'll be another thing. Yeah. Four hours of, you know. Oh, I can't wait for that, though. Mm. Um, is there any other film-related news that you want to discuss? Um, not really. I mean, me and you kind of spoke a second ago about how Disney... So we're recording this on the 10th of December. Um, Disney have got their investor event, which apparently they're going to um, introduce some new projects for Marvel, Star Wars, and potentially Pixar as well. Um, I just wanted to say, like, is there anything, is there anything like that you would want to see, like from either Marvel or Star Wars? Like, is there anything that you're thinking, oh, we need this, we need a series of this, or we need a film of this person? Or, you know? Well, uh. So it's touching on the la- the most recent episode of Mandalorian as per recording. Um, obviously, there was a lot more of Boba Fett in that episode, which I thought was a really good episode. Um, but it also confirmed to me that I don't think I want to see a Boba Fett series. I think we, yeah, I think we discussed last week when Chris was on as well that. I, I said, oh, I think maybe they'll just keep Boba Fett as part of the Mandalorian because yeah. they're both quite similar characters. Yeah. Um, so it would, I know Boba Fett doesn't seem to be the same kind of, I guess, uh, diocese, yeah, yeah, creed of Mandalorian as Jin Jardin or whatever his name is. But, you know, apart from the fact that he might take his helmet off once in a while, I, I, I don't know. I, I'd rather see those storylines, but Boba Fett keep with Mando, which seems I, like they're going to do for this series. Um, I would be interested in a Star Wars show, again, like we said a couple of weeks ago, set just not within the Skywalker saga timeline, mm. either really before or really after, so that there's no kind of, oh, you know, that thing looks like r2d2 like no just just do your own thing yeah you know stand on your own two feet um marvel wise they might i don't know if they've confirmed loki and things like that um i think, I think they have i'm pretty sure, pretty sure okay we might get yeah i mean hawkeye is filming at the moment isn't it the series um yeah. you've got uh hayley steinfeld has been cast as kate bishop um who i think is some sort of protege of Hawkeye in the comics. So um we might get Miss Marvel news. Yeah. And then Pixar, well it's gonna be Toy Story Five, it's gonna be Cars Eight, it's gonna be, you know, Monsters Preschool and all of that shit. So 
<laughs> Hopefully not a Mulan 2. <laughs> There's already... Oh, wait, actually, no, don't worry. Well, that, uh, I not see you trying to segue there. I'm just, I want to quickly, before we, before we segue, um, I just wanted to add my two cents. Um, mm. So, like, on the Marvel side, I feel like... Um, so, how many TV series have we got for Marvel? We've got uh, One Division, Loki, uh, Winter Soldier, and... Hawkeye. Right. So Miss Marvel. Marvel, that's five. I think it's a um, Moon Knight was, as well. There's a few yeah. others. One called What If, which I think was an animated... Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, there's, quite, there's quite a few. I'm just trying to... Like, I'm trying to so, I think... I'm not she Hulk, yeah, yeah, okay. There's a lot to it, so I'm not that bothered about. Um, in my mind, I was like, oh, we need more TV series, but it sounds like there's quite a few coming out, so I'm cool with TV series. Um, films, I don't really, I don't really know to be honest. I, I'm kind of hoping that I am surprised. Maybe something X Men related. That'd be nice. Like, yeah, or Fantastic Four. Yeah, 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 or Fantastic Four. Yeah. Um, I mean, be... they also they also cast Mahershala Ali as Blade, and I feel like we've not had any. That's true. Development on that since. E23 or whatever it was. That's true. Um, yeah, that's true. In terms of Star Wars, I think I would either, I either want to see something Jedi-related, but before Yoda and all them lot. Um, I think that would be pretty cool. Maybe something like Ancient. Or maybe something like some sort of... I was thinking maybe something spy-related, where someone like someone from the Resistance infiltrates the Empire or something like that. You know, I think it would be pretty cool. Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm excited for for both. To be fair, like and like you said, like the Mandalorian, watching that has got me proper like gassed in terms of like I started watching Clone Wars again, even though it's fucking boring as <laughs> fuck. Um, but I'm proper getting interested into like Star Wars lore. Like, I was fucking on the on the internet w- researching um fucking the ancient Jedi and stuff like that the other day. I was like, oh, fuck me, I'm, I'm such a, a neat. I am a loser. <laughs> <laughs> Like fuck you know, but yeah, no, wow. it's proper got me interested in it. Like, and like, it's not that the series on its own is that great, but I think it's done a good job of making me wonder, like, oh, what's that, or like, who could that be, or where did that come from, or you know, stuff like that. So I think it's done yeah. a good job. Definitely. Star Wars it. Episode Ten: Return of that character that died. Return of that character. <laughs> and I watched, I watched uh, Episode One uh, yesterday. I watched it back yesterday. Um, so I kind of had the, I was of the opinion, so uh, small backstory about, obviously my name's um, Obi, so like people used to call me Obi-Wan Kenobi growing up, and I used to say that I hated Star Wars, even though I'd only watched the one film, which was Phantom Menace, when I was like five or six years old. Watched it last year for the first time since then, I thought, actually, you know, this film's quite good. Then I watched it again yesterday, and I was actually, nah, this film's actually really quite bad. <laughs> it's, actually, <laughs> it's actually not very good. And and I can't help but think that a major contributor to that is, obviously apart from like Jar Jar Binks, whatever, whatever, is just the CGI is pretty, pretty shoddy. Mm. And obviously I get it's 1999, but even still, I'm just like, oh, Jesus Christ, this is like a Windows 98 background. Like, <laughs> That's the thing, isn't it? It's like there's a point where actually certain older films might actually look better because they haven't mm. got the computer-generated imagery. They just try and do it practically. Um, yeah. and then when you've got like really early computer stuff it can look really shit but yeah I mean The Mandalorian has definitely improved for me when they've tied it a bit more into the lore of Star Wars which I also think is 
kind of an indictment on its own storytelling but you know mm. i'm enjoying it so i'm shameless i don't care <laughs> um yeah so it'll be interesting to see what developments they they announced today yeah um, yeah um i guess yeah sticking with disney then um one of the films that you suggested we watch was the live action mulan which is now out for free on disney plus so you know that membership you pay for yes you do get the content that's on there um <laughs> rather than rather than trying to charge us 25 quid for it which that's so cheeky that's so cheeky. So, do you know what <laughs> that, that, that's good marketing because it's like oh yeah this film's worth 25 quid on top of your membership no it isn't Literally. no it isn't first of all like i didn't enjoy this film very much um, i have i have seen the animation which i also wasn't you know super taken with but um this isn't like a direct adaptation of it because there's no music and there's also they've cut characters um like the dragon um I was watching it, and this film cost $200 million to make. Yeah. And I watched it, and I was like, where on earth did you spend that money? Because, <laughs> you know, fair enough if, you know, you've got huge named actors, um, like, throughout the film, like you do mm. in the Avengers films. I mean, yes, you've got kind of well-known people like Jet Li in it, and I think Yifei Liu... Well, I mean, I've probably butchered that name, apologies, but I think she's, you know, the person who played Mulan is well known in her field. But to me, I was like, I was looking at the production values of it. There isn't tons of, you know, obvious CGI that it doesn't look like they were like, maybe they built huge sets. I don't know. But I was just sort of watching it and I was like, where on earth have you spent all this money? It doesn't, it didn't to me look like a $200 million film. It sort of looked like a, 60 70 million dollar film which yeah. is not necessarily a bad thing but you know to me it just it was really lacking like the script was the, the dialogue was a bit you know formulaic i didn't really feel like particularly attached to any of the characters including mulan um mm-hmm. it was also written by non um non-chinese or non-asian people which i guess is you know they're not going to be able to tap into the culture i guess as richly as someone who's from that background is it's not directed by an asian person or someone from china or hong kong um so again you know there's there's probably a, a a a cultural nuance that's missing um you know uh not necessarily that you if you're doing a film about a Chinese person that they, the director has to be Chinese but I think certainly because that until we get to a point where representation is equal then maybe you should you know yeah. are you telling me if um if the Russo brothers directed Black Panther it would have been the same as Brian Coogler no so I think there's a missed opportunity there um also it I mean I'm not describing the synopsis because i'm presuming people know what the synopsis is um you know there's a invasion on a chinese city and every family has to choose one male to go and fight the only male in this person's in mulan's family is her injured dad so she assumes the identity of a man uh for the most part 
But to me, it lacked a lot of magic, which... Not literal magic, because there is the witch. I was going to say, which, yeah. which I think is a new character. I don't remember her it from... Is, it, is, it is new, yeah. She's yeah, new. which I didn't like her character either, because she was barely in it, and then has yeah. quite a, a switch to being like a sort of anti-hero at the end, when she like I, is sort I, of like I, helping Mulan yeah. on her journey. Um, I her character in that, like, um, I feel that what they tried to do was a good idea, but they didn't do it very well in that kind of mirroring um, uh, Mulan's position in terms of like having like really strong chi and stuff like that, and her position of Um, yeah, so like my thoughts on the witch character, I, I liked what they were, what they were attempt to do instead of like mirroring the two like Mulan and the witch in terms. So the witch was someone who I don't know if, if it was the case she had really strong chi and that was why she was had like was able to like turn into birds and shit, or if it was like um, more of a case of something like extra that we didn't that we don't really know about that she had magical powers and whatnot. I don't know, but hmm. the fact that. Um, she wasn't really accepted um, for, with her, in her family, her village. Mulan wasn't really accepted for who she was in terms of having like really strong chi and whatnot, whatnot. Um, so I like the parallel there and her kind. Of, but I think it could have been a thing where like maybe the two were t- throughout the film were tempting each other to join each other's side. Like, oh, maybe like you're just like me. Um, come join the dark side, or you come join the light side. Kind of like a Star Wars kind of vibe, like Kylo Ren and Rey kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. but. They didn't really tap into it for like it was like two scenes of the film that they went to each other like um, that they kind of interacted with each other and then apart from that it wasn't really they didn't really do anything else and then the woman sacrificed herself for Mulan at the end I was like bra yeah <laughs> and again like you didn't earn that sacrifice do you know what I mean um, in the narrative or kind of character wise you know I didn't care about the the character to be like oh no she sacrificed herself or you know her journey's complete (laughs) or was it like that at all um and it it's funny because you know there's a few things in this film where i was sort of like okay it's a good idea but you don't expand on it um so the original animation there was that you know the in the beginning that um you've got the dragon and all of the spirits of the family come to life don't they and it's like you know you know there's a strong identity of ancestry and family which isn't really touched on very much here um in the live action film um you've also got kind of uh i guess the pressures of being a woman and having to match make and again i just feel like they touched on quite a lot of things but didn't expand upon them um you know even her chi apart from the fact that she can catch a few spears and kick them, you know, they don't really expand on that either. Like, where does that chi come from? Is it her ancestors? Is it, you know, how does she develop that? I don't know. It just, to me, felt like they were touching on certain things, but not really following through with them. And even the action, I didn't even think it was that good. I thought um, the action was pretty decent, in fairness. I, mm. quite enjoyed yeah. I think there were a few, there were a few, there were a few scenes um, which I quite like. I like the end, um, with her fight with the final geezer, even though the, her kicking the arrow into his chest was hilariously bad. Um, I liked the when she first, before she um, reveals herself to be a woman, her little fight with um, like when they first go into war, basically. I quite like that. I like the way it was shot as well. Um, and when she meets the 
when she meets the the witch for the first time. Um, I liked the set piece around it, like they had that, that yellow. I don't know what it was on the floor, like yellow little like ice. Um, yeah, that was looked nice. Visually quite cool. I think yeah, like there was a couple of moments visually. I think there's one right at the beginning of the film where where the the witch um, she um, inherits the body. I don't really know how it works. She killed him and took his place. I don't know, but she inherits the body of some random guy, and then that guy he like flips up like a rug of like powders and stuff, and like the powders just go everywhere. It's like yellow, red, pink, and stuff, and I think that looked really cool. Um, and just in general, like the um, costume design of the people, I think. Um, looked pretty sick as well. Like it's quite colourful, and that kept my, kept my attention because obviously I watched it quite late at night. So I was like, okay, this needs I need, I need to be kept awake, kind of thing. <laughs> um, so in, that, in terms of that, I enjoyed it. I think in terms of it's the, it's the general, pretty much the general Mulan story, which I think is cool. Like um, I'm not a massive Mulan fan, so I'm not super attached to the original story. Um, a bit like you in that, um, but I, I think that like. On the on the surface level of it, I think it's a, it's an okay film. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's a bad film, um, but it's not a good film. And a lot of the problems with these, it's my least favorite of these Disney remakes that I've watched so far. Um, and like you say, a lot of problem with the lack of magic in these films is that, especially in this one, like there's no songs, um, which I get, and there's no like magical characters or whatever. So you have to you and like as your as your child. Like, I don't know about you, but when I'm watching Lion King and stuff like that, one of the major things I remember is the films. I mean, the films is the songs, and yeah, that plays a major part in like how much I like the film. So if mm. you're not going to do that in this film, you have to make sure the the story, the plot is solid, like tight. Which yeah, is which not- I think you know because I think the Jungle Book remake that didn't have any songs in it, but there was still an element of there was a magic to it in the sense that like. It was familiar. It was like, oh, yeah, you know, this is still the Jungle Book story. And, you know, they do have little kind of touches. I think, um, I think, is it Blue Hums, like one of the songs? Um, ben you know, they did. Probably. There were, in this one, there were a couple music cues that I remember from the original one. Oh, sure. OK. But um, nothing major. There was just a little je ne sais quoi that was missing. It was, they, they went for like a kind of more... Um, not even realistic, but you know what I mean? More like hand to hand kind of, yeah. kind of gritty war, yeah. you know, type film, which sort of lost the element, you know, I mean, she's not a Disney princess. That's not what I want from Mulan, you know, mm-hmm. um, but there was just something missing. It was sort of like, would a, would a, would someone who likes Disney films watch this and be like, oh yeah, that was a really good Disney film. Probably yeah, not. Fair enough. Probably not. Yeah. I think, uh-huh. um, yeah, no, I think you're right. I, I just want to say as well that I liked some of, I thought some of the, the fight sequences were cool as well, like the training, some of the training montages, stuff like that, I think were pretty, were pretty good as well. I feel like we could have done a few, with a few more of those. It did, even though it was two hours long, it did feel like... It wasn't even two hours, it was only, like an, hour, it was only an hour 45. Yeah, I feel like it could have been longer, not that one I agree. Speed, but I feel like there were some things that would have, they would have benefited from in terms of like more more of a training montage, more exploration of the chi, all of that sort of thing. I agree. But I think I think to be honest, like I agree with you completely. I think if you take the witch's part out of the story, um, you probably save another five minutes. And then if you make a film two hours, you can spend twenty minutes uh, focusing on the chi, her training, her friends. Like you know, in in Mulan, I feel in the cartoon, I feel like 
like her friends get a, a solid bit of um, uh, screen time. But in this film, they don't really. Like, they get maybe one joke here, one joke there. And then you've got the guy that she's kind of attracted to. He gets maybe one, two scenes as well. Apart from mm. that, they don't really get any shine. I feel like you could have maybe fleshed out their characters a little bit. But, yeah. Yeah. I think it's all right. It's all right. What's the next I, I, one they're going to do? Oh, that's a good question. Mm, what haven't they... Pocahontas, I reckon, is overdue. Yeah. I've never uh, seen that, but... Neither have I, actually. Neither have I. But all I know is that there's a meme that says these white men are dangerous, and that makes me laugh every time. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Can't disagree with you there, to be honest. <laughs> well, yeah, I think yeah, Pocahontas has got to be. I'm trying to think of another. What's another classic? Little Mermaid is that Disney? Oh, that's yeah, that's actually yeah, you're right. That's coming out soon. I think they've cast some. They've actually cast people. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's the next, I think that's the next one. Yeah. Mm. Well, from a film that lacked music. Oh, let's get, let's get onto this one. I fucking love this one. <laughs> Go on, you chose it. So um, you chose it purposely knowing I probably wouldn't enjoy it, which I think is and, really crafty. And you no, know, to be in- fair, <laughs> I also chose it. It is for that reason that you just said. But I also chose it because I picked two other quite dreary things for us to watch. I wanted to watch something that gave us a bit of cheer, a bit of Christmas cheer. Do you know what I mean? Because sometimes you need to be a bit happy. Obviously, it didn't yeah. make you very happy, but I'll try. So I'm going to put the onus on you. Give us a synopsis and then talk us through Jingle Jangle and your thoughts on, on this film. Um, so Jingle Jangle is a Netflix original, I believe, um, Christmas musical about um, the toy inventor, Geronicus Jangle, um, and how he went from the greatest toy inventor in the land or wherever the hell they are to a bit of a bum and a grumpy Gus um, and how he gets his magic back and his, his belief back in Christmas spirit, I guess. I don't really know. Um, yeah. And it's filled with songs and stuff. And it's about, I think the, the full titles, uh, what's it? Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, to be honest, I watched a trailer for this film and I didn't know it was a musical. Um, I just thought, oh, yeah, it's a Christmas film and it's got some black people in it. I'm like, great, I don't see many Christmas films with black people in it. So, yeah, let me, let's watch this. Um, and then I think it's like maybe two, three minutes in, you hear the beat start going and they all start singing. I was like, oh, okay, I'm into this because I, I, I like musicals. I'm a musical guy. Um, and, yeah, from that first song, I was in. I was like, yeah, this is sick. <laughs> yeah, I think that's when it lost me, to be honest. <laughs> I think uh, obviously the, the, the story yeah I'm watching it as well um, the story is what it is um, I think it's okay I think uh, the first half is a lot stronger than the second half um, the second half it goes into a lot of you have to believe in the magic and we've got this magic robot and you can fly and fair enough that's for the kids Like, and I get that obviously I'm not a child but if I had nieces and nephews and children or whatever, I would watch this with them. Um, me, myself, I did, I did enjoy it. I think the strong part of it is the songs for me. And one thing I like most about it is the different, um, I want to say variety, um, the different types of songs. Because I feel like the first song was quite like a traditional opening number kind of thing. The second song was like kind of like Motown sort of thing. Um, you had some Afro beats in there. You had some, yeah, like the snowball scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And I was like, I've I... never seen this before in like a 
musical type film setting. Like, I thought that was pretty cool, personally. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, go on. I mean, this film, yeah, it's not my sort of film, but I do see the merit in it. Obviously, like you mentioned, there aren't too many Christmas films, you know, with a majority black cast. So for lots of children, particularly, this might be important of like, I see myself in this Christmas film, mm. um, which, you know, I'm sure is really important. Like you said, that there's a kind of, yeah, you know, homage to different uh, genres um, of music. I liked the Magic Man G one that um, Keegan-Michael yeah. Key does. Um, I also liked that one that's played during the snowball fight. Um, yeah. I'm, cu- I'm curious to know, sorry, it's a random topic, random point. I'm curious to know if that was actually um, uh, Keegan-Michael Key. I wonder if that was actually him singing, because obviously I know they do auto-tune and stuff like that. But I was thinking, like, if it is him, it's actually pretty decent. <laughs> yeah. Um so I think the song that's played during the snowball fight is called Grandpa Minie Asu Jingle Jangle remix by a Ghanaian artist called okay. Bisa Kade. Uh, again, I've probably butchered those names, so I apologise. But and I, you know, the the like you said, the story's pretty generic. It's like yeah. you've got to believe, which I don't mind. You know, it's it's a kids film. Mm. Um, to be honest. There's, apart from the fact that I just don't like this sort of film, there isn't anything particularly wrong with it. Do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? It's just like, it's just like you're probably... Yeah, it, to me it was a pantomime, and I don't like pantomimes. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more pantomime-esque than filmic, if that makes sense. Um, but I did really like the the parts when they sort of go into like the, the middle marionette, you know, when they um, visualise the characters as like wooden puppets, sort of. Oh yeah, yeah. There's yeah. only a few of those scenes, but I liked that. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's just it's just not really my sort of thing. But it was a a pretty you know uh, an okay kids film. You know, yeah. the post woman was annoying, <laughs> but she was funny. I thought she was hilarious. Uh, I thought she was so funny. Rick, <laughs> Ricky Martin as that little wooden character yeah, was really he jarring. Was he, oh, do you think he's jarring? I thought he was pretty jokes. I quite liked him, and he had his own little like um, solo as well. I thought that was pretty fun um yeah no in general i just, I just like the things it's a feel-good film isn't it or it's supposed to be um yeah I feel like the um the so the director of the film i think his name's david talbot i think yeah um, david e talbot yeah so when he did the costume design or when he like just spoke to the costume designers he said he wanted to make it kind of like a i think he called it like um afro victorianism something like something like that i might be butchering mm-hmm. that but I think that was, even that was really cool. It was not, It was cool. So you see, like, um, all these characters. I don't know when it's still set, by the way. I don't know what you're saying. What's, like, you see all these characters, um, and they're in, like, Victorian clothing, but they, it's also, like, African print as well, um, which I think is really cool. Again, it's something that I think is quite inventive. It's something that I've never really seen before. So I applaud the film for that as well. Um, mm. And if this opens the doorway for, you know, more films that are kind of, like, inventive in that sort of way, then I'm all for it. Um, and like I said, like I, I downloaded the um, what's it called? The uh, what do you call it? The, the soundtrack. Tra- soundtrack. Soundtrack. As soon as the film finished, so <laughs> you can tell I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I'm, I'm not going to bash it too much because you know it just isn't for me, and I'm not going to yeah. be too grinchy about it. I watched The Holiday the other day. That's more my sort of thing. Which one's The Holiday? 
It's the one with um, Jude Law, um, Cameron Diaz, Kate Winslet, and uh, Jack Black. And they basically swap that Kate Winslet and um, Cameron Diaz are like down on their luck. And, you know, Christmas is hard for them. So they swap homes and then basically, you know, fall in love um, with. Yeah, it's, it's a good film. Um, you know, very kind of cheesy. But, you know, it's got Jude Law in it and he looks fucking fantastic. So that's no surprise. Yeah, exactly. Can't knock it. Um, <laughs> it's a brief little plug for the holiday. But yeah. Um, what do you want to discuss next? Two hard hitting pieces of content if for different reasons. But um, let's, let's start with Small Axe. Okay. So Small Axe is um, a series of, it's like an anthology series by acclaimed British director Steve McQueen. Um, they are kind of uh, stories about um, growing up in the UK. Um, it's, it says here on uh, Wikipedia, yeah, West, West Indian films of about West Indian immigrants during the 60s and 70s and their families and stories. Um, so you chose Red, White and Blue for us to watch. Was there a particular reason why or is it just the one that was coming out? Um, it was the one that was coming out and also um, I watched the one before that which was Lovers Rock which if I'm going to be truthful I didn't enjoy. Um, and um, I'm just going to say this on the, on the podcast because I'm not sure how I feel about it, so maybe I will work it out in time. I'm not sure how comfortable I feel, because I, I was going to tweet something about it, like how I didn't like it, but I'm not sure how comfortable I feel um, tweeting about programmes like this with predominantly black cast and black people behind the screen and saying, oh, I didn't like it. Um, and is that a problem, do you think? Because I don't, don't want to be like, I don't want to be like, oh, this wasn't good, because then that might have a, a more... A more drastic effect later down the line or people didn't like this and so let's not do this kind of thing again. god um i mean i'm probably not the right person to ask that question to <laughs> but yeah. if you want my opinion on it um and again you know huge caveats here i you know white person alert but i think you know i think getting behind something just because it's you know within a cultural heritage that you uh identify with isn't necessarily a good thing because you know just because it's got a majority black cast and a black director and it's about kind of growing up black in a certain in the uk in a certain time you know the point of criticism um both positive and negative is to try you know try and find uh you know champion works that are great you know yeah. it's good that this was made um but you know it, it's tough because i see where you're coming from that if you criticize something like this then people might not want to fund it which i do agree with but yeah, I don't know. It, it, I mean, tough, I can see, it's, I it's can tough. see the dilemma because yeah. you know it's all well and good me saying, well, if it's not good, it's not good. But you know, there are, you know, like you said, there's there's less type of these 
this content being created. Yeah. Um, I also feel like there's less, there's less, op- there's less scope for us to, to fail, like us being, you, you know, black. Um, yeah. And like, I just think of like, I'm just a random example popped to my head. Like, I thought Will Ferrell, his last like four films have been terrible, <laughs> but he's yeah. still Jesus. But he still continues to like. I feel like I feel like certain. Um, it might be because he's built up a bit of certain clout in the in his career, which is fair enough. But I feel like when it comes to some um, white actors, producers, directors, they're allowed they're allowed leeway to make yeah crap films and keep yeah. making crap films. Yeah, white people can fail upwards, can't they? Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> what know. I was going to say, but I didn't know if that was the right the right phrase. But I yeah. think it's I think it's true. You know, I mean, I go on about how the fuck does Adam Sandler still get films made? Yeah, you know. Um, whereas, I mean, again, I don't know if they're comparable, um, but you know, when was the last time you saw Eddie Murphy in a film? You know, he, he did things like the clumps and stuff, which were not well received. I mean, I don't know whether that's led to why he's not working very much at the moment, but you know, would he have been given the same amount of opportunities as Will Ferrell? Probably not. Um, so I do see your point, but I also think it is you know valid to critique them you know it's you're not saying that this sort of film should never be made you're just you know expressing an opinion in that you didn't enjoy it as much as another um and i think that's valid because you know if people were never you know it's not that steve mcqueen's going to read your tweet but you know if if people never criticized anything then you will just continue to get loads of you know potentially shit being you know, spewed out, and that could be even more harmful. You know, in the long run, if if you know, say one direct, say you did a film, right, and it was shit, but no one told you it was shit because you know they were worried about repercussions it might have, and then you continue to make films and they don't make money, and everyone goes, "Oh, do you remember that Obi?" His films are yeah. shit. <laughs> you know. Do you know what? Yeah, it's funny, right? It's funny that we have this conversation, right? There's, I don't know if you've heard of this TV show, but there's a TV show on Netflix called Black as Fuck or Black AF, um, and I think it's episode five of this series. They have this, this this exact same conversation that me and you are having right now. They have the whole episode based on that. It's a really, really good episode. So if anyone's listening, wants to check that episode out, I think it's episode five. If you want to uh, give that, it's really interesting. Like, because obviously the person in who the show is based on, he's a content creator. So he's like of the mind, like, can I, am I allowed to um, critique um, like black art? Does that, that make sense? So yeah, mm. it's very interesting um, topic of discussion, I think. Yeah. I th- yeah. I think, I don't know. It's a tough one for me to kind of accurately comment on, but mm. um, I think maybe in a way if we're to achieve true equity then you need to treat all content you know as you would another piece of content but i guess i do see the reasons why that can be difficult with yeah. content like this but i mean so what, what what did you not enjoy as much about lovers rock compared to um red white and blue um it's i think it, it's my main issue is that it's 70 minutes long 
and nothing really happens. Um, I'm like when you see the trailer for it, I think it's the trailer, um, and you see like posters for it and stuff like that, you're led to believe it's about it's a love story about two people, about two people, uh, one of them, Michael Ward from Top Boy. Um, and I was like, okay, cool, I'm into this. And then the film starts, like it's cool for the first, it's very like, it's a very, um, obviously I can't imagine I wasn't born in these times and I'm also not West Indian, but I feel like a very authentic feel of what the, happens in the West Indian community. So there's like a party basically. Um, and this DJ setting up and people are cooking and everyone's, um, everyone's like having a vibe and stuff like that. It goes to the party now um and they're playing like cer- certain music and people are dancing a certain way and you know reacting to the music a certain way which is cool but they spend i shit you not 40 probably it's probably 55 of the 70 minutes just we're listening to people dance and watching people dance it's really? for me yeah genuinely like there's one scene there's one scene of a song it goes on for i, I i'm sure it's at least 10 minutes and it doesn't cut away. It's 10 minutes long and it's just a song and people dance you, to a song. Do you think things. maybe the intention of that was to sort of give you sort of an immersive experience of what it may have oh, been yeah, like? Absolutely. To actually, yeah, okay. Absolutely. But it's just, it's just me. Like, I know, people, uh, I'm in the minority of people who didn't like this. People love this. I'm not, I like, my, I like music. I'm not, one, I'm not a music guy like that. And also I'm not a big, uh, I don't even know what, what is it reggae? I don't know if it's reggae. I don't know if it's reggae. I'm not sure if it is, but I don't want to sound stupid. But um, whatever genre of music that was, I'm not that into that either. Um, mm. I think if I'd grown up in a West Indian household and I brought up that sort of music, like if you if, if you change this, change this um this uh, what's it called the type of music and replace it with I don't know Nigerian gospel songs, I might feel it's a different way because I grew up hearing that when I was younger. Um, yeah. this this is something that. I don't really have a connection with, so I was kind of like watching it, thinking, okay, are we gonna, are we gonna move on? Are we gonna get to the next scene? Like, is something else gonna happen? And yeah, it was just I found it really boring, and I was really annoyed that I found it really boring because I was like, I really wanted to like, cause I didn't watch the one before called Mangrove. Apparently, that's really good. Um, I really wanted to like it, and I just didn't. I was like, ah, it really pissed me off that I didn't like it. But yeah, yeah, I think. Um... I mean, again, I've only seen Red, White and Blue, but I am interested to see the others. Um, you know, for me, it's it's really interesting watching um, content about, um, first of all, kind of experiences of, um, you know, West Indian immigrants in the UK from that period of time. Because, um, I, pre- I mean, again, this might be a bit my ignorance, but would they have been sort of like the Windrush type generation? Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Okay, so yeah, there's not much content about that, is there? And also, I guess, in the in the sense that you've got a black story that isn't, you know, rooted in, um, you know, African Americanism, mm. um, or even African British. You know, it's West Indian, which I know is Afro Caribbean, but you know, it's, it's like you said, like yeah, like you said, you know, even though you are a black British person and your parents are, you know have emigrated to this country you still don't have a connection to it because it's a different type you know so that's to me also interesting because you're now getting like a diverse range of kind of black stories which is great you know unfortunately you didn't enjoy that one but um from the sounds of it i guess you enjoyed small uh red white and blue so do you want to just kind of 
give us a lowdown of what that was about and you know your opinions on it. Yeah, so um, it's a uh, it's based on the true story of um, I think I can't remember the guy's last name. It's Leroy something. I can't remember what it is. Um, and basically, he's a uh, he starts off as a research scientist and he becomes a policeman. I think one of the few, very, very few, um, maybe, probably maybe one of the first um, black policemen, at least in, I'm assuming, in the London, in the London area. And the film is basically about um, him kind of like trying to make change um, through the police system, but facing opposition from obviously racist people in the police. Um, and also people in his community who um, think he's like basically like a sellout, which I think I'm pretty sure still happens today. I've seen videos of people um, like taking videos of um, black policemen in 2020, calling them sellout, calling them this, calling them that. Like the same way in in uh, this TV series, he gets called um, coconut bounty, whatever, whatever. That stuff sort of thing. I've seen videos of that happening just last year, this year. Like so, so it, there is a, a stigma in the black community that we shouldn't be police and we shouldn't want to be law enforcers because of how the law can treat us sometimes, and does treat us sometimes. Mm. Um, so I found that parallel with obviously with today's society quite interesting. Um, and in general, I did I did enjoy it quite a lot because obviously it's a story. It's based on it's based on that um, I've I never knew about. I didn't know about. And the character so um and that was good and that's also for me i just i really like john boyega and it's good to yeah. see him in in work i like him as a man and as an actor as well so it's good to see him being good stuff being good films and good tv series and stuff like that. i agree uh, yeah how, how did you feel about it? i enjoyed it yeah um i found it kind of difficult to watch maybe not difficult to watch but you know there, there is a discomfort to it, isn't there? Because you know, I, it, it's not, it's tough to watch how people legitimately, you know, grew up in those times. And and to be fair, when you consider it to today, it's like, has it improved vastly? I don't know. You know, um, like you're saying, there's still kind of uh, a sort of us and them, you know, kind of. Um, I guess it's like an identity crisis, isn't it? It's like for um, Leroy Logan, it was like it was you couldn't be black and the policeman. It, you were either viewed as black or you were a policeman, and by extension, I guess you know white um, or passing, trying to pass as white. Uh, which you know is sort of like how do you ever change something unless you're represented? Um, it is it is tough and. You know, he's, he's a great actor. He's always good in what he's in, whether the film itself might not be. <laughs> um, mm. So, yeah, it was just an interesting story. Um, obviously, there's also it was good to sort of see the um, point of view of the uh, Indian character, um, you know, showing that it wasn't just kind of black Brits who were yeah. struggling growing up. But it, it was basically anyone who wasn't white and... Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, you see those attitudes still today, really. Uh, you know, you, I was watching it. There was a scene where the Indian police officer was talking to um, the owners of the restaurant that had been kind of yeah. uh, defaced. And I think he was talking in um, Bengali. 
And the guy's like, speak English, mate. It's like, well, actually, him speaking in their language is really helpful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And it, it's a thing where, like, so one of the things that, um, that Leroy wanted to do was improve communications in the community. And that Asian guy, if he's able to speak, I'm not sure what language, so I'm not going to say, if he's able to speak similar languages to people in the community, that's only going to help relations with the, with the police. Exactly. I mean, there was a... Are you still there? Yes, well, yeah. Oh, sorry, my phone's beeping. Um, there was a there's a frustration that it, or maybe I missed it, but they didn't seem to show us what happened in the end. I mean, originally I thought it was oh, just a story, yeah. um, and then it was only when I was reading up on it that he was actually a real person. Yeah, and I was like, oh, well, what happened then? Because he actually this um, Leroy Logan yeah. founded. Yeah, he accomplished a lot apparently. Yeah, oh, and that wasn't yeah, really it. touched on, and I was a bit like, oh. Yeah, you should have celebrated that he was a former superintendent at the Met. You know, clearly he eventually accomplished at least some of his goals. So I was a bit surprised that you wouldn't do a little coder at the end. Be like, Logan did this and, you know. Yeah, um, I agree. That's my only only issue is that it's not, I think, how long is it? 80 minutes? I think it's an hour 20, I think. Maybe you're maybe hour. Yeah. But um, it's not it's not long enough. Like I'm sure we get to see a lot of the hardship, but we don't get to see any of the, 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 the fruits that it bears or the success that it bears, um, which is a shame really. Um, I feel like they could have taken the time, even if it's just, even if just five minutes to, you know, show us how, how that all turned out, how his efforts, you know, um, at least managed to, managed to have some sort of success in terms of like diversity and, in the police force and then helping out his community as well. I'm sure there was some sort of, you know, um, positives that come from him joining the police. He was there for having 30 years or 40 years, however long it was. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it sort of seems to do that person a disservice. It's sort of, you know, showing the struggles and not the successes. But maybe that was, maybe there was a reason for that. Um, yeah. yeah, but... One thing I found really yeah. funny, I just want to say, um, is that apparently... So you know, in the um, in the film, John Boyega's character does a bleep test. Yeah, he had to actually do the bleep test. <laughs> Steve McQueen made him do the bleep test. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, which I think is hilarious. God, there was also a Jedi reference. Did you? There was. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was a bit <laughs> like, mm, is that shade? <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. good. I mean, and I think you know, it, it's kudos to BBC and whoever else is funding funding it it's good that you know it's just different stories about that era um, yeah I'll, I think I'll, another I'll thing, be interested to watch the others yeah I think I think Chris quickly to that round off I liked I'm trying to think like what I would do in that in that in that era in a scenario where if you're the dad and you've just been you've just been beaten up by the police literally just come home from being, being um, beaten up by the police and then your son says, yeah, Dad, I want to join the police. Yeah, yeah. Like, you must think, you must think, like, you must hate me. Like, like if I was a dad, I'm thinking, you hate me. Like, why are you, what are you, what are you trying to do? Like, <laughs> like and I think I would have, I would have liked it if they kind of, because the dad was quite um, stoic. I don't know if that's the word. He didn't really speak a lot. And when he did speak, it was went out of frustration, I feel like, majority of the time until the end when they had a, they had a nice little heart to heart the two of them um, mm. and it would have been nice to maybe get a bit more of his 
feelings, how he felt about it. And also the mum, because I feel like the mum didn't really speak at all. And I feel like she must have felt some sort of way about the whole thing. And she doesn't really get any lines, really. Yeah. Um, Neither yeah. does his wife. <laughs> well, yeah. So randomly, did you... Is the wife? Did you think the wife was not from England, or was that just me thinking that? Yeah, I, w- I wasn't. I was trying to pick up the accent, but I just wasn't sure of the accent. Yeah, but... I couldn't pick it up. It was annoying. Yeah, me. I wasn't. I, I was thinking to myself, I was like, I don't want to say anything because I'm racist. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I tried to Google it and I couldn't even. I couldn't find anything. Um, yeah, over, overall, I enjoyed it, and I do want to watch this, his other ones. Um, so yeah, I'm expecting good things. Yeah, it was better than Widows anyway, which is the last effort. I liked Widows, but fair enough. <laughs> um, and then the last thing that we watched is probably the most uh, difficult one to watch um, is I May Destroy You, which uh, is, is it pronounced Cole? Because it's so. C- C-O-E-L, so I wasn't sure if it was Coel or something. But Michaela Cole, um, her series... Um, that is produced by BBC and HBO. Uh, it's, you know, about a young woman who looks to kind of deal with the trauma of being sexually assaulted um, on more than one occasion um, and sort of, yeah, deals with, I guess, it deals with responses to sexual assault from the victim, their friends, um, other people, you know, the perpetrator, um, and what I find interesting about this as well is, is it sort of highlights different forms of sexual assault, um, yeah. which w- people might not consider. Um, so yeah, it's it's a tough watch. Um, there's also some like quite um, you know dark humour in it. You know that there are some like moments where you're like. I'm actually, I found that a bit funny, you know, in the sense that some really grim scenes, like when she has sex with the guy in um, Italy oh, and she's yeah. on her period and then she's like, oh, that's a blood clot. I was like, what? Yeah, that was nasty. It's like grim. Yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a really important series. I mean, I've only seen, I think, five or six episodes. Um, so, I mean, what, what's the story where you've got up to? So um, I just watched episode where um, Arabella, the main character, she goes to, I think, a therapy session or like a group support session. Um, and they basically show a flashback with a girl called Theo, I think, um, who she went to school with um, and how um, she accused someone of sexual assault when they're back when they were in school. Oh, I don't think I've seen that. No, I don't think so. But that's probably the next episode. But one before that was the one where um, she called the guy a rapist when she was doing. The yes, thing. that's okay. the one I've seen. Yeah. Um, so in general, I like the series, and I like one thing I like about it is that it's, it's like it's very like um, I feel like I, I might disagree. I feel like it's really British, like the the the, the way it's the script, the like the way the characters interact with each other. I feel like it's very like. Like, I could believe that these people that I kind of, like, maybe went to school with kind of thing. Um, mm. And, like, I like that, obviously, it's written... I think that's the importance of having stories that are written by British people and written by black British people as well. Um, yeah. And also, like... Again, like, I feel like we don't give British TV enough credit. 
like British TV in general, I feel like it's actually really, really good. And I feel like we underrate, like as a, as a whole, maybe not you, me and you, but as a whole, I feel like under, British TV is just underrated in general. Like there's some really, really good, even BBC, on BBC iPlayer, on ITV, wherever, some really good stories out there with some really good, some really good actors in it as well. Yeah, um, I think because generally British shows are more kind of character driven and it's not, it's not kind of your flashy kind of big action scenes and, you know, massive movie stars, you know, like your Pretty Little Things, your Game of Thrones, all of those sorts of things. It is just, you know, like Skins, it's, it's about a particularly British thing. Um, Misfits has got kind of British humour in and, you know, they're quite low budget. There's only a few episodes. Um, so, yeah, they're not, they're not as pretty as the American ones, but yeah. important. And, I mean, I like this. I've always find it strange saying I like series like this. I know because, you know you mean. Yeah. Because you're sort of like, well, you like a show that's about sexual assault. But I think it's important, you know, um, again, you know, considering. So her friend Femi obviously gets assaulted um, after a meet-up on Grindr. Um, yeah. And he even Googles, he's like, is dry humping without consent rape? Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, and it is. Is it the episode, is it the same episode so he goes to the to the police station and they they pretty much, is it, have, have you seen that? Yeah, he's going yeah to and they basically fob him off and it's yeah. like, oh, oh well, it, did it, you've got no evidence, you know, there's no DNA evidence. You know? Yeah, and it even highlights the, the, the difference in between, obviously, um, the stories about like rape culture and how it's reported stuff like that, but there's a complete difference in attitude between what happens to a man and what happens to a woman. It's like night and day. Yeah, um, and you can see even how uncomfortable the policeman he was he was talking to was talking about it and how he just wanted to get out of that situation as quickly as possible. Like it was nuts. Yeah, agreed. And um, yeah, you know, I think this series is quite. Um, treads a delicate line between, you know, when something is consent and then when it actually, you know, quite quickly can then become unconsensual. So you've got, obviously, the ghostwriter takes the condom off. You know, that might have happened to loads of people and they didn't realise that actually that's, you know, if you haven't consented to that, then that's, you know, assault. Um, And similarly, how a consensual encounter you know can actually go too far and um then become unconsensual and um i think it's also just think you know we've had discussions on our group chat about how there seems to be a lot of narrative particularly relating to high school age girls and it's like they have to be raped you know talking about grand army um 13 reasons why you know um it's just like, does that have to happen every time? I mean, obviously, Arabella's a different age. Um, so I guess, you know, it's, it's focusing on a different story. But it's also like, so in Grand Army, Joey gets assaulted in the back of a cab. But it, to me, the way that episode um, presented it was sort of like, oh, well, she was being really flirtatious, so she deserved it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I felt like it, it was sort of, I, I knew it was going to happen because she was un, drinking underage. She was being promiscuous with other people. And so I was like, right, this narrative is going to punish her by her being assaulted. And yeah. guess what? That's what happens. Yeah. Um, 
I think even in 13 Reasons Why, it's always like, you know, when they've been flirtatious with someone that they shouldn't or they've been drinking, it's like, right, well, they've transgressed, so they need to be punished. And the way we punish teenage girls in the media is by having them assaulted, which I think is despicable, but it's seems to be what's happening. But at least this one, you know, it was, was, gonna, yeah, it, was it was presented in like, yes, she was drunk, but it was more like, did that happen? It was like, she, she at first doesn't even, you know, I think it takes she, her a while to even admit that she was. And I think she, a part of her even is like um, blaming herself for it. But I like that characters around her are like, yeah, it's not your fault. Like, this is fucked up kind of thing. Like, you had nothing to do with, like, there's no action that you've done that made this um, acceptable kind of thing. She even yeah. herself, when she went with the police, and when she's with the police, and when she's with her friends, she's kind of like, oh, but I must have done da 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 And like, it, like, I think it's good that they didn't show her to kind of, um, they didn't show the, the people around her, and they didn't, show, they didn't show her to be like, oh, this happened to me, and the people around her to be like, oh, are you sure? Did this happen? Did this happen? Like, oh, did mm. this happen because of this? Like, they were all very supportive of her, and if, if not pushed her to kind of um, go to the police and, you know, and... Um, yeah. And the only character so far that seems to be kind of victim blaming is his name Biagio, the Italian guy. He's like, yeah. "What the fuck? You must have done something. How do you leave your drink unattended?" Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you know it's important um, in many levels. It, it might, you know, people might watch that and think, do "You know, actually, that happened to me, and I didn't realize that that wasn't okay." Or, you know, it might kind of help people heal and be like, do you know what? It wasn't my fault. Um, you know, there wasn't anything I could have done and, you know, I am not to blame. So I think it's a really powerful series, but one that can't, you don't binge it, get... do you? No, it takes time to get through. Yeah. But, well, you know, these sorts I... of narratives are, are really important. And also I think, um, again, showing depiction of, um, I guess, homosexual um, assault, and black homosexual assault because there again that's not the type you don't get many characters like that on tv i was even just going to say in general like the 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 sex scene before before it turned in before the assault happened but the sex scene just before that i don't know about you but i've never <laughs> i've nope. never watched a tv series or me neither that has depicted a gay sex scene so vividly. <laughs> no, me I neither. Like, <laughs> I felt like the bloke who was standing, oh. you know, there's the third guy who doesn't it's get involved. Awkward. I, just thought, I felt I like, like him. I was just standing there. Yeah. I was like, where do, I, where do I look? Literally, that's how I felt. I was like, oh shit. Like, I was going in. I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's funny, man. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's a very frank series isn't it it doesn't it literally doesn't hide away from anything you know whether it's her menstrual cycle or the you know activities of femi and yeah i mean i will continue to watch it um it's, it's a tough one but yeah i mean that was a good choice from you that and small axe um jingle jangle was quite a hurtful one for you to choose but <laughs> <laughs> um i like well, three out of four of them anyway I, Mulan, also, I, don't, I don't consider Mulan as a choice of mine, by the way, because that's just like a Disney film, isn't it? That's not really. A I would not have watched it if you hadn't suggested it. Yeah, um, I also watched Blue Story the other day. 
Oh, did you like it? Please say you liked it. Yes, I did. Yes. Uh, again, it was like one of those like really deep stories, wasn't it? Like mm. about the the two friends who, well, from different boroughs, and then um, it's, it's, it's sort of like a classic story in a way. Like friends become it's, enemies. It's, and... Yeah, it's tragic. It's tragic. It's a tragic like yeah. Um, what's it called? It's, like, it's, like, it's Shakespearean in a way. Exactly. Yeah. Um, again, really good performance from Michael Ward. Even the the um, the other actor in it was really good. Um, wasn't overly keen on Rapman's sporadic appearances and narration. <laughs> I liked it just because it kind of just like bookended the beginning, middle, and end. I, I can't, I can't, yeah, I, I got it, it, but I was a bit like, meh, yeah, I could take it or leave it. But yeah. yeah, I thought it was really strong. Um, obviously, uh, an indictment on knife crime within London, um, particularly. Um, I was quite surprised to see that the, the gang names they use are actual real gang names. Like, I can't imagine members of those gangs would have been particularly happy with that. But, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah again, a really important story and tragic in a lot of ways. I mean, when, when um, the guy's girlfriend gets killed, I was like, oh, you're fridging oh, her. That, I was shook. I was excited. I did not expect that. I was just like, oh, what the... Like, I was actually all upset. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, bro, that, that obviously took me completely by surprise. It took me by surprise, well, at the end, when, spoiler, when, um, uh, which one of them dies? Uh, not Michael Ward, isn't it? The other, the other one. Yeah, the other uh, one. I can't name? remember his name. Stephen something. His, name's Steve, his real name's Stephen something. So, apologies. Um, but, um, yeah, he dies at the end. I'm like, because you think, like, normally in that situation, because um, I would say he's the protagonist of the story, if, they, if you're going to yeah. have a protagonist. So normal yeah. situation, he would think of a way to like get out of it. But it was like, no, this is actually based on a true story, and this this guy died. So oh, it was based on a true story. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh shit! Okay, I didn't realize so that. It's based on a true story from a music video that Rapman did like four years ago, which obviously was based on a true story. I think it was on it was on YouTube. How many years ago? Oh yeah. my god! Okay, so even like the brother being disabled and. I think so. I think that I think that 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 was real as well. Yeah, I'm pretty oh. sure. Killed himself. Yeah, which is mad. I think that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was. It's. I really. I need to watch that again. Actually, I've only watched it the one time. It's one of the few times I've gone to the cinema. And people people clapped off the film. Finished. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. People were proper into. It. I think that's what the first bit come out, and the cinema was cinema was packed, pretty packed to be fair. Um, and yeah, people were clapping as if as it finished. I was like, wow. Actually got me a little. He was like clapping. I was like, "All oh, right, that got me a bit." And um, mm. I think off the back of that, Ratman, I think he signed a deal with Jay Z. Um, uh, I think Jay Z's production company. Um, I think oh, he's directing the film. Nation. I think so. Yeah, I think he's 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 directing another film now. I'm not sure what it is. Oh yeah, I think he's done well, quite well off the back of it. Yeah, I mean, it, it reminded me in a positive way of Kid Hood, mm. which again is another, you know, similarly thematic film, which I really enjoyed um I thought Kid of it you know Kid Hood's just a decent film I think the adulthood and motherhood and brotherhood are take them or leave them really but um yeah that's yes yeah, a lot of dreary content but it's all important you know for for many reasons <laughs> let's just hope when Chris picks his choices that, uh, I was gonna say I'll back Chris to pick something he'll pick so he won't pick anything like Drama related, I, I doubt anyone. He'll probably pick a comedy or like a sci-fi or action. 
He'll probably pick anime, won't he, just to make me watch it. Well, yeah, and you should watch it, yeah, because you're, you're a bad person, though, so you won't watch it. Nah, you're always banging on about, oh, just pick an anime and watch it. And it's like, I do, and I don't enjoy it. And you're like, oh, you picked the wrong one. Oh, did I? <laughs> How convenient. <laughs> but, yeah. Cool. Is there anything else you want to touch on at this moment in time? or? Um, not really. I started watching a show on uh, BBC iPlayer called Industry, um, which is about uh, I think five graduates who, um, who work at an investment bank in London. Um, and it's, I've only watched one episode, to be fair, but it's got a good review, so I'm going to give that a go and then I'll let Is it a comedy? That. No, it's a drama. Some, someone, well, actually, I won't tell you in case you watch it, so. Okay. Well, hopefully by the next, <laughs> by the next time we talk, we would have seen uh, Wonder Woman in the cinema, so that would be yes. hopefully. a nice I'm treat. So looking forward to that. I think, like, it's been so long since I've been to the cinema, honestly, I'm fucking losing my mind. <laughs> and also, we'll have the news from Disney, so, um, yeah, cool. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, you can tweet us at YSC Podcast 17 We're on Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, Apple, um, Facebook, and Instagram under Your Average Critics. Uh, join in next week when we will be watching Chris's Choices, hopefully discussing Wonder Woman and many other things. But uh, might even be Christmas. Mm. It's sexy. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.